Good evening, Patriots. And today is the end of Wednesday, May 31st in the year 2023. I'm actually, as I'm talking, I'm watching this crazy video. I was going to play it, but it doesn't play out well. And it's almost like people are in, these guys are doing these aerial flips, almost like they're in zero gravity or something. They're doing it on the street. It's really something. makes you wonder sometimes, like, what are we being restricted by and what's limiting us from doing great things? Which just ironically is going to be kind of what we talk about tonight. Hey, Patriots, before we begin, one thing to be really clear is we have to be concerned always about our wealth and when I say wealth, the money that we've worked hard to earn and put for, aside for savings in this time is this type of money that they're trying to pillage. And there's still a window here before they completely destroy everything and put it into the digital control. You need to try to move all you can, remembering that I am not an investment advisor, but I do live on common, and, common sense, that when they're trying to put everything into digital currency, you know that they're going to try to take control of your IRAs and your 401ks if they haven't already, but you still have a window to get it into metals, into precious metals. That's why we have Birch Gold. Patriots, President Trump recently issued a warning from his Mar-a-Lago home. Quote, our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard, which will be our greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years. End quote. There are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar. Inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is there is one asset that has withstood famine, wars, and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times, gold. And you can own it in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right, Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. Just text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the whole process. The folks at Birch Gold are amazing. Think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Protect your savings with gold like I did. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Text BARDS to 989898 to get your free info kit on gold. Again, text BARDS to 989898. This is one of those decisions you will never regret. Do it today. And in addition to Birch Gold, you should also check out CB Distillery. And I'm, in this time when we're trying to get ourselves set up in the right place for medical and other things, we need to get back to taking control of our lives. Obviously, finances is one. The other is health. So check out CB Distillery. They, are a, they have the line of CB, CBD products that are all come derived from hemp. It's all American-made, American-grown. Fantastic products. I've been taking some of them. I think it's an essential part of anybody's medical home kit, which is also part of that health and wellness pillar in county by county, which is pillar number five. Really super important to have. I've been taking them. My mom's been taking them. Huge impact. I love the products. So if you go to cbdistillery.com, cbdistillery.com, you're going to get 20% off when you use your BARDS code, B-A-R-D-S. Check that out. And you will be extremely satisfied. It was, they have stuff for sleep, for wellness, for overall health and pain in the body and recovery as well. Just all sorts of lines of products. All of them look to be outstanding. Really recommend you check them out and get some in your medical cabinet, a necessary item in this day and age. And I don't know if you've heard, but they're setting the stage again for another pandemic, just so you know. And it's going to be up to us to resist it. But having these alternate products is going to be essential. And we've had enough experience now to know that anything that they feed us meaning the deep state or pharma is bad. And what we're trying to get is get ourselves away from all of that and heading into a world where we're relying on those whole products that are created by our father, that will grow in nature and that we can have available to us at any time. And that's also the part of keeping our full body health strong. So cbdistillery.com, cbdistillery. The links for all these are always below the podcast. All right, last hour, we played an interview by Lance Corporal Catherine Arnett. And I would hope that you have, if you haven't listened to it, take time to listen to it. It's an inspiring interview. This is a young 25-year-old lady. 
young girl, 25 years old, who is literally standing up to the Marine Corps on her own and, and running her own defense against them in a court martial. And this is the second time they've tried to court martial her. Okay. This is encouraging. I, I find it very encouraging for a number of reasons. We're seeing somebody who doesn't have the depth necessarily of legal experience that an officer might have, but she's a very adept and smart young Gen Z woman with the, the, the desire to do what's right. And I don't know the whole depths of this case. Okay. I, I'll be honest with you. I, the case that I know is the case around COVID. We have anything else there is, is irrelevant to this conversation as far as I'm concerned, because this is where they have gone after her is through the COVID stuff. So if the Marine Corps has other beefs with her, um, they're not expressing it because this is just layers of things of trying to get her out as far as I'm concerned. And especially since they can't figure out how to get her out through COVID anymore, they're just going to trump up some cart charges and try to get her out. Unfortunately, this is the system that we now live in. But what needs to be looked at when you look at somebody like uh, Lance Corporal Arnett is the courage part, okay? And I, I find it to be a very insightful look when you talk to people for a length of time, and this is why I love long-form interviews, because it's I let people talk. That's part of my the way I do things, because you start to hear their story. You're not hearing mine. And that's a very important component here. You're going to hear how they how they position themselves and how their heart speaks to a problem. What was, I remember things that struck me in all of that interview was one, there is a real line of right and wrong, which in this day and age, I've talked about extensively how we are not going to fix this nation unless we accomplish two major things. One is accountability to action, and two is morality on which we function. And that's the right and wrong part. She has both of those in play. And that's where she's holding. And what you see is this other side of the Marine Corps, which is obvious that they can't force things, and they don't know what to do when people don't play along with them. So a lot of these institutions we're dealing with right now are, and it's again, we're in pride, we're heading into pride month. So I'm using this word intentionally where they are prideful and most of our government has, and military has become prideful. We have a lot of senior level commanders that know damn well that they did the wrong thing in our military. And instead of being humble enough to come forward and say, I did wrong, here's what I should have done. This is what is right they're hiding behind their decision or being quiet altogether because their pride and their arrogance has gotten in their way and they're too concerned about losing the reputation that they essentially falsely built. And the question then is, at what expense and what cost? Anytime we have pride and arrogance, we are going to be leading others to the same destruction if they follow us. And part of that being a meek warrior is not weak. It's being capable and more than capable as a warrior, but reserving your sword for only those most critical moments and instead being humble enough to walk, to lead with the power of love. And that's where we get things all messed up, right there, is that word love, which, you know, I'm, I'm not willing to say we're not going to use it, but at the same time, I'm willing to say honestly that thanks to a over-sexualized culture driven by a, a rainbow that has been, they've tried to abscond and corrupt from God and an image of God that is imperfect. We get this idea of love, that love is only relate to physical. Here's a simple example of this, that we're in a period of time right now that you can find this anywhere. Go to TikTok, go to Instagram, go to YouTube. Take a look at any of the shorts on YouTube. That's probably the easiest place to find it. But even a lot of the videos, and you'll notice that there's how many of the in people are trying to use sexual, like the sexual images of women in particular. And there's another thing that men do that I can't quite figure out yet, which is all these dumb selfies, selfie stories they do without their shirt on. I haven't figured out what ego thing that is. I don't know if you've seen that, but everybody's like doing these TikToks or they're doing their Instagrams. And they want to hold the camera up and they're all without a shirt. 
And trust me, there's a lot of guys that need to wear a shirt. But I don't get this self-obsession other than the fact that people are becoming obsessed with themselves. And more than that, they're trying to project a sexualized image to draw people into their story. People need to hear good stories. They don't need the sexualization to draw them in. And that's part of this neurotic culture that we're in right now is people are so self-obsessed. And as people get self-obsessed, they become prideful. They become consumed with their own image, their followers, their numbers on the on YouTube, whatever. And unfortunately, there's some really good stuff out there that, in my opinion, because I'll look at the followers on the accounts, they'll get to a certain point and then they'll flatline. And they won't go anymore because they become so consumed with themselves rather than the stories that they have. I just I watched this video the other day, or it's just a channel that I came across. And it was on a young lady that is a diesel mechanic. And that's all fine and good until everything has to become images of her always dressed in tight stuff. And it's like the whole story, the only purpose of the story for, I can guarantee it, the reason people are following is to try to get a view of some hot chick. And then they discover somewhere in there that she's married. And of course, you can just, you just know that the guys are like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. There's a ton of this fantasy and, and sexualization. It's all soft. It's really what we call a soft porn in another way that continues to corrupt the imagery of our culture, the morality of our culture, and just the whole principle of how we operate. Because we stop seeing each other as the, the sons and daughters of the Most High, and we start to see each other as an object, which ultimately, as you notice, how this this pride culture that's trying to drive everything in this narrative is always about what type of sex you're going to have with somebody. Notice there's nothing in the LGBTQ movement that isn't related to sex, whether it's cutting your weenie off, whether it's cutting the breasts off of a young girl, whether it's, it's, um, it's fantasizing them about a sexual thing, adults fantasizing about children to get that legalized. I mean, just, just everything is about sex because sex ultimately is the most separating and lowest energy form we can take where we come to just become base totally in this sort of primal activity and get locked into the physical aspect and we slowly degrade and diminish our spiritual being. That's a sad and real existence that's happening right now and many people are being consumed with it and then it starts to have the ripple effect. So in this time when we have the me culture and then you add the vax culture, when you start to see people that are standing out like Corporal Arnett, Lance Corporal Arnett, you start to see the strength of what God creates on this earth. People that can truly stand up to this without fear. And that's at the core of so much of this. I think that when we water down a lot of the me culture, and the sexualization of culture. I think we're getting into the core of fear. I think truly that most people are afraid of a number of things. Now, I'm giving you my opinion, but I, I'm pretty solid on this. I just have looked at this for too long, not to believe it. People are afraid of being alone. People are afraid of not being loved. People are afraid of not being valued. People are afraid that they don't, they're not being received well or they're not, they don't have the looks that will make people see them as beautiful. So they seek all of these material aspects to fill in those voids. They, it'll be a car, it'll be clothing, it'll be a credit card limit, a, a credit card score or soon to be a social credit score. It'll be the the compliance with whatever the group is doing to try to not only be part of the group, but be so much a part of the group that you're recognized as a leader in the group. Not that you're a thinker, but that you're a, a good stooge for the group's efforts. People are going to have sex more frequently because sex gives them the short-term feeling of satisfaction, of fulfillment, of, of, a, of a love. And with all of this thing, there are we build these bridges at a spiritual level that we don't even understand we're dealing with. Most don't understand anyway. And sex is probably one of the most narcotic of them all and also most spiritually energized. So all of this is disrupting 
the perfection of who we are. And it's degrading it. And there's a lot to undo when we get there. We are in a time right now when, for whatever reason, we're not seeing many men stand up. This is an era where really the effort of liberty and freedom has been personified by the strength in women. And I've acknowledged that many times, and I always will. I think it's a very sad statement to the time which we're in. I think that we see the the few strong men, relatively speaking, that we see out here doing the job, hat tip always to them. But as far as the main effort and the main body effort in terms of standing up against this evil, it has been women. Some of that is the nurturing aspect of, of that, of women being protectors of the children. But some of it is just the nature of the world we're in. If you look at really the war that we're in, it's the men have been, to a large degree, men have been castrated. And that's both metaphorically speaking, spiritually speaking, but also physically speaking, especially when we get into transgenderism. And we start to see a place where the diminishing of men is also a key part in diminishing the family. And so what we're really seeing here, in my opinion, is we're seeing the rise of women, not because this is the era of the female energy, which you're going to hear on this other side, this kind of new agey garbage that goes on, but rather it's who's really in charge of the household. Men have been so wiped out over the last oh, I don't know, when about nine years in the real war against men really started about 2008. So it's been more than that. It, it's We're talking close to, I don't know, what, 14, 15 years now that men have been on the center point of being eviscerated. And in this transposition, which happened, began in 2008 with Obama, we've seen women elevated up to being the head of households, both in the workforce and the spending the luxury items that they buy, the focus on advertising women are there. And with that, there's a parallel rise, which has been to raise up black culture and to raise up, and another line, to raise up the gay LGBTQ culture while diminishing men. All of those things right there. The black male, the violent black male has become personified as the symbol for black America. Very sad, but that has. The woman ahead of the household has been personified as the only way forward for the household and the future of the world. And the LGBTQ non-normal sinful type of existence where um, people have no ability to reproduce, but just live in that world of fantasy and sex, completely sexualized cultures with the LGBTQ is becomes your other pillar. So your three pillars become violence, female, and sex, those three. And that's essentially, if you look at across that, that's what they've been working on steadily in their media, in the, in the influence operations, in all the cultural designs, even the changing of our laws since about 2008. So what's happened to, in, in, a, in a very broad sense, so hear this in a in kind of a generic statement, what's happened to Adam? And what we have seen is an inversion it's exactly as Satan tried to do in the beginning. They had, Satan has brought forth the elevation of Eve in a loose sense, Eve who ate the apple and has reduced the, these aspects of Adam within our world to something that's just cast off to the side. As God was cast off, so has Adam. So we're living quite literally within the sin of, of the original sin. And it's, we're seeing what happens. Now, this is, no, this is no diss towards women because as I have said many times, and I want to be very clear about this, I will always say this, thanks to a very strong sense of women's native understanding, of many women's native understanding of morality, what's right and wrong, which I, can, I kind of link back to the motherly nature of protecting and nurturing, we have been able to make some pretty aggressive strides in this fight against this tyranny. From businesses that were held open to even someone like Lance Corporal, Catherine Arnett. We don't see, though, that same strength of boldness in the open of men. Now, I'm not telling you there aren't strong men out there because there's plenty of them, but they're not, they're not in the leadership places right now. That's putting a lot of strain on our culture because ultimately, as we watch the degradation of a entire nation states, 
really what we're witnessing here more than ever is the destruction, is the outcome of the destruction of family. And that's something to think about. And I played this piece earlier today on Bended Knee. I want to play it for you here again. This is about a two-minute piece, a really good perspective on family and where we are in this in this point in time nations are not collapsing because of bad government nations are not collapsing because democrats or republicans are in power nations are collapsing because the family is breaking down Before God instituted a government, he instituted a family. Before he instituted a family, he instituted a man and a woman. Before he instituted a woman, he instituted a man. These things are important orders of priority because they set in motion the very chaos that took place in the garden later that day. That ultimately, if man falls, woman falls. If woman fall, children fall. If children falls, family falls. If family falls, society falls. If society falls, nations fall. And so we have to go back to the very place where we left and figure out how we are going to restore this thing called family. Family is very important. Family is right at the heart and center of God. Family is the very reason that the Lord put us in the earth in the first place. That we must be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Having dominion. I think it's one of those very critical words that we don't spend enough time focusing on. And dominion ultimately is absolutely within our authorities. We have been given dominion over this earth. And the question is, why are we not taking it? And we can come up with a lot of the current cause and effects or maybe limitations to that. Um, some of it's, at the end of the day, some of it is going to be the influence that's around us, the instruction, the, the teachings that keep people locked within a certain perspective of matrix of lies. Some of this is going to be directly related to the injection, especially in the last three years. And we have seen a pluralization of gender and it has been, it, you can tie it and all you have to do is go back and look at the explosion of transgenderism and see where that ties back to. And it goes directly to the moment when that injection started to roll out. There is a destructive element to the human genome that is causing people to seek gender neutrality or worse, flip genders. And that's a consequence. And I've already spoken to that and I, you know, I continue to remind you that most of that has to do, in my opinion, but based on good research, and even as I have been, as God has shown me in prayers, that this is the core of a, of a demonic influence and possession aspect within our society. Those words are still very difficult for people to accept. And I'm not talking about this community here, but in the broader discussion. Because when you start bringing in demons, people start looking at you, even a lot of Christians will look at you like, you're, 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 you don't want to go to demons. That's, that's, they're there, but that's not really the effect. It's all going to be mechanics of society. That's, that's really kind of foolish when you think about it because we're spiritual beings made in the perfection of the, of the Most High. And this influence is consuming society. I've run influence operations. And I will tell you, what has had me have to rethink this model over and over for the last three years until really God really showed me this brilliantly this, this weekend, this past weekend, is influence operations are very potent and very powerful, but I have never seen something so uniformly explode out of nowhere as I have with, not just with COVID, but COVID had a catalyst of a global coordinated effort to media sensitize people to this idea of a pandemic. 
And there were years p- preparing that in media and influence to get people seated with the idea of accepting the pandemic. But as we talked about last night, when you break pandemic down and you note that pan and demic, d- demic is destructive or destroyed, destroyed, and pan is the p- god of the pan god, the, which is the spirit of pan, which is basically the statue of the of that pan demonic force is a being having sex with a goat. It's pan is the pluralization of sex with anything. That's truly satanic in its core. It's everything against God. So when you see the rise and you see that word and you see the rise of this suddenly and the explosion of this across the spectrum, we're not looking just at influence. Influence becomes the thing that reinforces what's there and expands its reach. But the core of that is the vax. And that vax is opening up the portal and the capacity for the demonic influences to take seed or to take influence over people and to really diminish if not overtake their native ability to know who they are or to accept things as right and wrong. The core piece of all of this is, again, I go back to as I begin, diminishing Adam, raising up the corrupted Eve, and making this world all one where everybody has taken a bite out of the apple. That is literally the great fall we're seeing before us in a broad metaphor. So what does that mean for us? Because when we talk about things like this, it sounds overwhelming. And when we paint these pictures and we talk about this in big ways, it is one that also makes us look at the world and go, oh my goodness, we're losing. And right there, and that key, what I just said, is the narrative that we're willing to accept, which is the ultimate lie. We live in a world that we have dominion over. That was given to us by the sacrifice of Jesus. We have given the authorities to bring the victory into the world. Christ gave us victory. And that's, we always say that, and you'll hear people say that, through Christ we've won. That's correct. But what are we doing to bring the victory into the world? And it's always there that we miss. And again, when we water all this down and we look at all these broad, the history of this and where we've come, and we look, we talk about the deep state and we talk about the influences and we talk about the mechanisms that they've used to move culture, to degrade the strength of the human, the human being, they, they corrupt their, the, these body temples, to diminish our spiritual awareness and our energy, to corrupt even the physical body, to add ailments and parasites and things like this that constantly shorten our lifespans. I mean, notice now that the average lifespan has fallen again post-COVID con because of all these people that they've poisoned that are dying off. When you add all these things up, it's very easy to just point at this deep state and it's like, they did it, they did it. We don't even put a who they is. We just say they because it's a nice way of pointing out some magical group of people that apparently have the power over God's children. And that's the most disturbing part right there. So we have to go a little bit deeper, and you've heard me speak of this before, but our country was founded on the pulpit, and it's dying by the pulpit. And the only way to bring it back is to resurrect the church and the true pulpit of God, which means where we began was over 100 years before we had a revolution, over 100 years, if not more, of strong pulpits pushing the message of God and the love in Christ to give a solid anchor The Declaration of Independence came from sermons. That's how it was written. And it made it very clear that all of our authorities and and all of our rights came from our Father, the Creator, which then from that expanded out to where anything that follows that, which is the Constitution, is then subject to that first line, which is the, it's in the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness come from our Creator. So that's, the, that's our architectural structure of our actual laws in this world and our authorities, which mean our authorities do, just like in Scripture, our authorities come from God. There's no contradiction between this country's documents, our founding documents, and, and where our authorities come from in, in Scripture. But we've missed that. And over time, as the church has become increasingly weak in the pulpit and it has become hybridized with a lot of this influence from a state type theology, which comes in the form of politics and comes in the form of 
of graft and it comes in the form of other opportunities to make money, to modify your message, to ensure that the church continues or that somebody at the head of the church becomes more, has their career paid for. Churches become a source of salaries for people. All of these things start to fall apart and the church becomes a business and it doesn't become a house of God. And so within those walls, what we see is a, we see temples, temples of dead stone walls and hard roofs that ultimately house people that sit in pews and are told how to relate to Father God and they obey that, they obey that message, which ultimately that message too often comes into form of peace at any cost. Being out in the world, powerful in your message, is not part of the, of the normal daily Christianity. Yet discipleship is what started this, and the, the disciples are what brought Christianity to the world. So this is, again, these are just things we need to be looking at, and we're asking ourselves again and again, so what about, what are the critical pillars that will overtake this high ground that evil has taken? And that's literally what has happened here in this fight, is evil has taken the high ground, and we now have to figure out a way to take it down. And there's a couple of ways to do that. One is you can do the Marine Corps way that they used to do is just to charge the hill relentlessly over and over and over. And then you take the hill and the enemy moves to the other hill and you've lost all these guys and you hold the high ground while the enemy repositions on another high ground. And then there's the position of authorities. And that's where we are less concerned about the hilltop before us and we're much more concerned about the bigger picture and the authorities given to each of us by Father God to where dominion is reclaimed and we and evil has no place. Those two fights are completely different, by the way. Right now, there's too much emphasis on when we look at this on what's right ahead of us and where the enemy's positioned and in focusing on the enemy, we're getting sucked in with their narrative. And in the process, we're not claiming our authorities, but we're being consumed by the narrative of fear in one way or another. Now, fear is here, and whether we like it or not, many people are, are affected by it. And fear is taking many forms. Maybe fear is going to be your job, your mortgage. Maybe fear is going to be the worrying about what's going to happen with your grandchildren or your children, what's the future going to be. And while we're wringing our hands, worrying about the fear, the enemy is on the move and on the march because they're in your head and they're occupying your real estate for free. Your mental real estate is being consumed with them. When we take our authorities and we really step into that position, if there's one thing that I could say over and over, we have to accept that we are not, we have to live without fear. And this is a hard one because part of living without fear is we have to accept wherever the Holy Spirit places us. And that right there, I would argue for most people, is the most uneasy idea one could present. Present. See, we've become very comfortable in our homes, which are another form of dead stone temples and dead stone walls. And I'm not knocking this, but I'm being very honest about this. If I talk to most people and I say, okay, if the Holy Spirit comes into you today and says, drop it all and leave, what will you do? And I think most people off the, just because it's the nature of knowing that I said Holy Spirit, they will say, well, I'll do it. But I don't think that's true from a, I don't think it's true in the heart. There's a very unsettling idea when it comes to having to be displaced and leaving everything behind, leaving our toys, leaving the things that we value to be essentially most, most important to us, walking away. And we forget the story where Jesus first meets the disciples. When he comes up and they're at they're fishing and he says, follow me, and they drop everything and follow him. There is such an important snapshot into what God is trying to do with us right now. And it's something we all need to reflect on because this world's in chaos. It's collapsing. And the question is, is who is going to come up through the through this rising up? And what God's doing right now, in my opinion, is there are rising stars and, and reminders to us, whether it's it's a lance corporal or whether it's a lieutenant colonel or whether it's a salon shop owner or a tattoo shop owner or a weight gym owner. Maybe, maybe it's a, just a person on the street. Maybe it's a parent in front of a, a school board. God is showing us over and over that there are plenty of great voices in kingdom that are standing up to have the courage to lead 
this nation back. They're all part of the exodus. And she's all, and with that, excuse me, with that, it's all part of an exodus to lead us into a kingdom type world. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be leading this world, not following. But it doesn't say everybody. And I think this is where things get a little convoluted because we're very much focused at times on trying to bring the good news to everybody and trying to convert people to Christ. Good, great, all the above. But we have to remember that there is a remnant for a reason. And I'm in no way trying to idolize or specialize this as some sort of elite group that all gets a little bonus, maybe an extra patch and a, and a beret. That's not what I'm talking about. But we are here right now to lead. And as the more people lead and step into their authorities, the more that will bring people with us. But we are not supposed to be sitting behind. We're not supposed to be letting them lead us. And when we consume ourselves with their narratives, we are letting them lead us in our thought. And unfortunately, we're trying to fight this fight on their terms. And this is where the trap gets crazy. So I want to I want to look at, again just and for a snapshot at this interview we just had with Lance Corporal uh, Catherine and Arnett. And with that, to realize that she's doing everything that we would say shouldn't work. And as I've reflected on this and I'm like, okay, and I've, I've had some conversations on this because I don't, what you don't know about her is that there was a substantial amount of money raised for her legal defense. It was raised by the Pipeitter Foundation to help her afford lawyers. She has returned every dime of that money, except for some errant legal fees, I believe, that were involved. But other than that, there's no, and she didn't keep any of it. She sent it back to the Pipeitter Association. And she assumed the position of defending herself in a case of a courts martial, 25 years old. When I see that, I, I, I don't know all of the pieces about this case, but what I see this as a symbol of is a reminder that we have all we need within us to do the fight that are there as long as we lean into God. Now take that for whatever it is and, and put that in your prayers and, and lean into it, but without trying to over elevate a single person, I think there's a lot of message there that we're hearing that we all need to apply. The system is broken. And what I see in that example is, and I see this very clearly, is the system is broken. So quit trying to use the system to win the fight. Trust in me. Trust in yourself and what I give you in this world and let me lead you into the victory. That's David and Goliath. And it's very important that we remember that. We are too often trying to fix the system with the system. It's kind of like trying to fix black mold by growing more black mold. We have to get to a point where we have to realize that the only way through this is going to be leaning into God. And so I go back to that example of our, our disciples with Jesus. When he says, follow me, and they drop everything and, and follow him. What would that take for you to do that? And this is a rhetorical question. I ask myself this, I'm asking you this. What would it take for that to happen? Now, I will tell you, because in my life, on two separate occasions, which I can ultimately map back to God's way of with me, of leading me to the place he needed me, I have literally lost everything twice. Actually, probably three times. And each time, it's... It's created a space within me that I've rebuilt. God's reprovided everything that I had was there and it comes back. And I've never had any doubt that it would happen that way. But in the process, each time got a little easier and the realization that the things that we have, we enjoy for the moment, but they don't anchor me. Now, not everybody sees that the same way. Maybe not everybody agrees with me, but I will tell you, there's not a damn thing you have in this world that's going to go to heaven with you. And I think that's the bigger message here is that we're in this fight and we're given the gifts and talents and we have the authorities to win this, but not one of those authorities has anything to do with something physical. We have tools. I have a, I, 
open carry my pistol every day. I have my rifles. I have my ATV. I have the house. I have my garden. I have all these things. But not one of those things in itself can defeat the enemy we're facing. I can have as many rounds as I want, and I will never be able to defeat the demonic. I can have the greatest garden ever, and if I don't have the strength in my spiritual and my strength in faith and my love in Christ and I'm declaring my authorities, that garden can become vulnerable to any sort of attack. The end of the day, the true tools that we have in this war rest within the authorities given to us by Jesus. And the authorities that we are given through him that ultimately go right to the Father put us on this earth as the sons and daughters of the Most High. We just have to start living within that and understanding to to get those authorities and to get there isn't just by sitting here at the desk or in your life and going, okay, today I'm getting my authorities and all is good. We have to literally pivot ourselves to living within the body of Christ. All these things we talk about, but this is no longer about talk. This is about a true unity and walk in the way we are. It means an ultimate trust. And so I use the example of going back to where does God need you and where is the Holy Spirit going to lead you? So as we anchor ourselves into the physical world, especially in this moment in time, we're putting a shackle on ourselves if we're not careful. And that shackle can bind us in times when God needs us because we're going to be so concerned about our social credit score or the credit card payment or the house that we have and I can't leave this or the job that I have and if I do this, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. We're not listening to the greater aspect of him. We're coming up to Bards Fest right now and this is going to be part of the message of Bards Fest. And you'll hear me talk about it next week. And I want to be very clear. This is just, I just want to share with you my journey on this. There's no ask here. I'm, you know, you understand why I'm saying that. I just want you to hear my journey. Okay. Bars Fest is, they're never cheap when we do these festivals. Never. And when we first started out, there was a very small amount of ticket sales. And I really turned to Father and I'm like, okay. I don't know if we should do this. And I put it in prayer. And I said, I just don't know if we should do this because it doesn't look like we're going to have the turnout that we need. And I don't know that I'm going to be able to cover the costs without digging deep into the money that I've saved. And this is what I got back. First was, it's never been about numbers. It's always been about the heart. So whoever shows up, whether it's online or there, it's the people that I've called that have the heart to come, and that's all I'm asking for. I said, okay, Father, I got that. And then he says, I need you to be all in, Scott. And this was a true statement. And I mean, I, I get choked up even sharing it now. He says, this is not a rebuke. He says, but I need you to understand trust right now more than you ever have. Everything you have, you know that I've provided and you know that I will replenish. I need you to be all in, everything. And I said, okay, Father, that's it. I got it. And it's amazing that the farther I walk down that path to put more in, the more resources keep coming my way unexpectedly. Today, I got a call from somebody I know who's been a longtime friend and supporter of everything I do. And I'm just out of the blue. They're like, okay, so how are finances on, on Bart's Fest? And I, was, I said, I didn't give any real number. I just said, they're coming along. I'm trusting. Boom, just like that. Several thousand dollars was sent for Bart's Fest. See, God has an amazing way of working that when we work on his terms and we let go of fear and we lean into him, and I know that we're talking money, but I'm really talking resources because resources is a big part of this because that's how I frame things with heaven. I don't ask for money. I always talk about resources because it ends up being, if you start doing money, it starts sounding like prosperity gospel, which I don't agree with. Matter of fact, I hate, but my point of all this is part of our authorities are centered on us truly walking with him. And what's the greatest wealth we're trying to achieve? 
The greatest wealth we're trying to achieve right now is the wealth in us building in the mightiness of the dominion which we've been given on this earth to occupy and subdue. That's our greatest wealth. And within that, Father provides everything. Unfortunately, we kind of get this wrapped around the upside down way because we say, Father, I need my bills paid so that I can do the job of kingdom. And that happens more often than I think we're willing to admit. We have seen many examples of great leadership over the last few years. Some of it is women. Some of it is men. There's been more men or more women than men in this case. But a lot of that's a reflection of the status of the family. But when we know that this family is at the core of all of this, we know now in order to really get back to that, we're going to have to, all of us, trust that God can lead us back there because we can't fix that. Not individually. We could sit here and do the math all day long and I could say, okay, to do this, there's going to have to be this many conversions, this many women get married. We're going to have to find this many single mothers and get them a partner. We're going to have to undo that sort of programming. We're going to have to, oh my goodness, look at all the babies that have to be born. I mean, this is just the mechanics of it. And if we look at those mechanics, it's an impossible odds that we'll succeed. But when we get down to what God is needing to win this, there's no more discussion about what I need or what I think. It's my trust in him. And he's moving the pieces if we're letting him move us. And that's where trust, free will, all of these things come together. And we have to let go of the shackles that we've put on ourselves. I've told you this exercise that I do. And I, and to be honest with you, I have not done this exercise for about six months, but I'm starting right after Bart's Fest. I guarantee it's going back to regular. But it's this. I set up bags, what I would call go bags. What do I need if I have to bug out and I have two to five minutes? What do I need if I get bug out and I have 20 to 30 minutes? What do I need if I'm going to bug out and I get an hour or two? And what do I need if I'm going to bug out and I have several days? Everything changes, but it all narrows your life down to things that you can honestly take, the locations you'll go to, and what's realistic. The hardest one to do is that two to five minute. Actually, the hardest one to do is the is about the 20 minute because a two to five minute is usually pretty simple. It's a quick bag with a change of clothes and some ammo, your Bible, and a little bit of food. The 20 to 30 minute one's a tough one. But it puts ourselves in perspective because none of those things matter. Then you start to look around at your world and you're like, wow, I got all this stuff and I got that stuff. It sure is nice to have. And I hope if I have to bug out, I can come back to it. But when I say bug out, I'm not talking EMP, nuclear war, all these things. I'm talking about the call of the Holy Spirit. And we don't talk about that enough. Because the Holy Spirit right now is calling all of us. The Holy Spirit is asking us all to toe the line, to get up and be ready to move, to be ready to mobilize for the Father. And I don't know what that looks like in your life. I have an idea what it's looking like in mine. And I... I'm constantly moving towards that place. The question is, are we willing to receive the order? Are we willing to execute the command? And are we willing to obey the directive and direction which God gives us? And those are questions that each one has to answer. But I will guarantee you, when you get to those places, everything around your world is going to change. And our relationship with God changes in the process we get to a place where we are much more willing to be obedient and in the process we become greater in he. And that to me is where the true authorities exist because it's there that our true authorities begin to really grow. We drill, we practice, we pray, we, we try to build those capabilities and trust through father to heal, to cast out demons, to raise the dead, to do greater works than he, to spread the good word, all those things. But we don't step into the magnitude of what that means until we let go of our anchoring of the physical world. And by the way, that doesn't mean you get to be homeless. It just means that everything around you no longer has a shackle on you. 
and everything that God leads you to, you do. This is the time we're in. And it's a time to be obedient in a way that's greater than we've ever imagined. And when we do and we let go, we realize that the things we're clinging on to are many times the things that are holding us back. And that's the trap of this world because everything in this world has been designed at a deep level of fear to teach us to be afraid of losing rather than celebrating victory and receiving. God gives. And I know we say, well, he who gives taketh away. Well, yes, but God's a loving God. He pours out love. And at times, we buck him off. We kick him off of us like a, like a wild bronco. And the most amazing thing is, he's always there. He never leaves us. He's always with us. All we have to do is trust. And trust, and I'm talking about here, isn't just, I trust you, Father. It's accepting his voice, his will, his direction in an obedience at every breath we take, every step we walk. It's a unison with him. It's a unity of walk together. And when we accomplish that, our authorities blossom to a level that we have, that take us to a level that otherwise would seem unimaginable. So take some time, reflect on that. Do an inventory of your life. Do an inventory of what's around you and find those things that really emotionally anchor you, hold you, tie you, bind you. Ask yourself why. Take it to Father and seek to, how, to where he tells you what he needs you to do. And as we take each of those steps, lean in more to, have, to ask him to push you to new levels. I don't know where it's going to take me. I don't know where it's going to take you. But I know one thing, as we do that, what we gain out of that is beyond words. What we mature with that is will last us an eternity. And the relationship that we have in him then begins to shine into the world to where literally as we are in the world, so is Christ in a magnificent way that literally brings others to the attraction and the magnetism of that love that makes them want to seek what we have. And therein is the greatest gospel ever. Let's pray. Father, we're humbled tonight as we come to you and just put ourselves before you and truly are thankful for all that is given to us. Father, tonight our prayer is about obedience. Obedience not as a slave, which unfortunately that word has become so corrupted, but it's obedience and love. It's the willingness for us to drop everything, to literally trust in you as the only way forward, to not be anchored, held back, hesitated, chained anything to anything in this physical world, to realize that what we have around us, every single thing was provided by you and every single thing that we need will always be provided by you. And that need changes. Let us not be anchored, Father. And this is our part of our prayer, to be anchored in the understanding that what we need is defined by what's around us now. Rather, what we need is a deeper, more intimate, more powerful, loving relationship and obedience within you. Father, it is hard to imagine a father so gracious, with so much love, to have been willing to sacrifice his only son for us. And sadly, that act in so many ways has been corrupted into saying we are unworthy. Forgive us. Because you didn't see that in us. You saw the impassionate love that you have for man. Let us live into that, Father. For the transgressions we've made, forgive us for those sins. For the closing of our ears and our eyes to all that you provide and guide, forgive us for those sins. But instead, Father, now we pray for the opening of our hearts, the dropping of the scales, the opening of our ears to truly hear your voice, 
to be obedient, to be fearless in those moments, to let go of that which binds us and anchors us and chains us, and to trust in you and knowing that things aren't just going to be okay. They're going to be greater than we've ever imagined. To release of the expectations that everything has to be related to money or some sort of bill that we have to pay, to let that fear go and instead embrace the unlimited potential of where you're leading us in the Holy Spirit. To not be defining our lives by what we possess, but rather define our lives by the glorious nature and love that we have with you to, to seek your face. And to not be bound by the judgments of he who has greater faith in Jesus or not, but rather to see the eyes of see through the eyes of Jesus to see the potential of love that can bring people together in the unity in the body of Christ. Humble us, Father, in this hour. Forgive us for our transgressions. Strengthen us in this walk. As we can once again reflect deeply before you humbly on our desire as our need and our willingness to walk deep within you and obedient within this walk. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. It's an important time, I think, to reflect on all of this and a necessity for us to do so. There's a lot of this walk that we should be doing by birth. Unfortunately, we live in a world that does everything it can to scramble everything upside down. But the most beautiful part of this is that the words have always been there. The authorities have always been given. And our faith and our strength in, in him are always there. All we have to do is just let go of what binds us. And once we do that, we begin to be set free. It's quite amazing. When we purchased this property, this 80 acres that I talk about, when I entered the property the first day, when I came to look at it, there was a hawk sitting on the gate. And that hawk flew ahead of me everywhere I was on that property. What I admired most were two things. One was the freedom in which he had on the wind to soar, to soar low, to soar high. But everywhere I was, he was there with me. He was obedient and yet he was free. See, that's that simple little image for me is something I hope people can feel because being with God is just that being obedient and being more free than we've ever imagined. And nothing is anchoring us back. And that there to me is where the greatest power of our authorities is and where I seek to go more and more each day. Because within that space, I know that when we say things like heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, greater works than he, and spread the word, that those statements resonate within the Holy Spirit in a magnitude that we can't even fathom. It is literally earth-shaking. And when we get enough people in that space, which we're reminded doesn't have to be many, it just has to be of the true heart. All of this stuff that we face with the demonic that's trying to destroy our world, the word subdue becomes something that's second nature to us. And it has no opportunity to rise. And we literally take back this world as the representatives of kingdom, as the representatives of our Father, as the sons and daughters of the Most High. And we do so without ever having to raise the sword of steel, but simply leading with the sword of the Spirit. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war, so walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.